Well, you better get ready because who knows what he'll do. Why don't you join with me as we welcome Pastor Chris to come and preach this morning. Who knows what he'll do and who knows what God will do. Let's welcome Pastor Chris. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You can uh, take your seats. You can all be seated as well. Wow, it's dark out there this morning. I've titled my message this morning, The Father's Voice, Hearing God's Plan for You in 2020. Who's interested in New Year's resolutions? Who's, who's interested mainly in other people's New Year's resolutions? It's, it's interesting how, how we view these things. And... Uh, I want to give you a bit of an, an insight into perhaps how we can do New Year's resolutions properly and uh, perhaps take away some of the angst that goes with them. Um, I can remember as a, as a teenager, uh, my relatives in England every year for Christmas would send me a diary. And so every year I would start a diary. And I think the longest it lasted was to May which I thought was pretty good, but most of them have got about five pages in January where I've written in them. And uh, some years ago, I I tossed them all out in the rubbish because (laughs) it's such a bad... It's it's a bit like journaling for me. Who who likes journaling? I love journaling. I love other people journaling. It's wonderful that they do that. Uh, But my journals are always very short. I I have lined uh, books of lined things with, you know, the first couple of pages written in, and then the rest is just scrap paper for James. Um, and so it's something which evokes different emotions in, in different people. And so to get you in the mood, uh, I've got a video for you.
Who's excited about 2020 now? Isn't that the sort of film clip? If you played that every morning, who'd be excited about every day? It's the sort of thing that gets you really pumped about the idea of making new plans and, and reaffirming what you believe and all of that. And I think most of us are, are familiar with the idea that you know, this is the right time of year to do that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's a really uplifting sort of clip. It makes you feel good about the future and the possibilities that result from our relationship with God. Am I right? And so just to, uh, just to put a different slant on it, I have another video to show you which puts you in a different frame of mind. So let's look at that one. Familiar to anyone? <laughs> now you can see that it presents quite, presents quite a different vibe for the new year and contains a few truth bombs in there as well. And the reason I showed you that is that there's a, there's a whole culture that's grown up around the idea that a new year brings an opportunity to chart a whole new course, a complete change of direction or a, a swap of the old and, in brackets, outdated stuff for the new and current and exciting stuff. And although that, that sounds exciting, a New Year's Eve party with a little too much free-flowing um, exuberance, um, that, that it's a really exciting and a good thing to do. But it really places an incredible amount of pressure on individuals to do something they know they should, but in reality probably don't want to do. It's often something like buying a treadmill so that we can get fit, or losing weight, or giving up smoking, or if you're really, really ambitious, all three. As Christians, it can be goals like reading the Bible more, uh, swearing less at other road users, uh, praying more regularly, or, or it's some other behaviour that makes you more Christian-like. Um, and who's found, having made one of these violent swerves in one's life, that it rarely lasts very long? If you're lucky, months usually weeks and most probably days, uh, when the hangover's worn off, so does your New Year's resolution. And so the interesting thing is that we know why that happens. Do we, I mean, 
if you think about it, because why, why you're doing it in whose strength? You're doing it in your own strength. And eventually we realise we either don't have the desire to carry it through or we feel powerless somehow to complete what we've started. And uh, often God isn't even in the equation when it comes to planning for the new year, even with our Christian goals. Often we haven't planned about, we haven't prayed about reading the Bible, we just know we should. So we set unrealistic goals for ourselves. We haven't asked God what he wants for our lives, we just know the Christian thing to do. And so we assume that God wants us to do more of that. Because that's what good Christians do, isn't it? And so we're bound to get ticks on our scorecard in heaven if we, if we do some of those things. But because we haven't asked God, it's in our strength and it's not what God has asked us to do. I, I love that the scripture that came up in that first slide, Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, who is the source of your hope? God. Will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of your Holy Spirit. Who would like to have a, a New Year's resolution that is overflowing with confidence and trust? That you know at the beginning of the year that this isn't something that's going to slowly peter out or take a dive or disappear from your life. It's something that is going to power through that year. Wouldn't you be a lot more confident about making a decision at the beginning of the year if you knew that was how it was going to work out? Because Romans tells us that with God on board, that's how it can work out. If he is the source of our hope, then he should be our first stop. And for those of us who feel overwhelmed by the prospect of having the energy or enthusiasm to make any changes whatsoever this year, is there anybody? No, you don't have to raise your hand. But often, you know, the 1st of January comes way too soon after the 31st of December. Have you noticed that? It wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be a good idea to have a week in between where you could wind down from the year and then think about starting the next year. But no, the 31st of December appears, you are knackered. The 1st of January comes along the next day and you are supposed to be full of life, vim and vigour and ready to take on the next year with all the plans and the purpose. And I've woken up on January the 1st not feeling like that. Could be just me, but... I feel a lot of people do that. And so if you're overwhelmed, if you're not sure you have the enthusiasm, then Philippians 2.13 is your scripture for 2020. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you. Who's doing the work? God. Where's he doing it? In you. <laughs> this sounds good, doesn't it? Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Notice there's no exchange here. He's not saying, well, if you do this, I'll do this for you. He's saying God is working in you, and while he's working in you, he is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Oh, hang on. No, no. It's not what pleases you. Oh, we've run into a roadblock here. It's what pleases him. Oh. So perhaps our New Year's resolutions need to take a bit of a, a turn, because I always thought New Year's resolutions was to benefit me. Because, you know, I'm the one who wants to lose weight. Actually, I know other people who want me to lose weight more than I do, but um, um, we won't go there. Um, but uh, lost my place now. But the interesting point here is that God is doing a work in us, which should be a great relief to many, and that the work of God in us gives us, it's a gift, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. There's no mention 
of having to work ourselves up to accomplishing what God wants for us. But some of you are sitting there, you've got your arms folded, and you're thinking, well, come on, come on. God isn't going to do everything. Surely he wants us to do something. Well, yes, of course. I mean, that, that's, that's a given. Um, but what are we supposed to do? And I, I, think, I think Christine Kane actually said it really well she, in one of her posts at the end of last year. She wrote, take some time to intentionally seek the will of God for your life. Don't just stumble into next year. Now, most of us stumble into next year because we're actually afraid to actually ask God what his plans are for our life in case he tells us something we don't want to hear. But she goes on to say, determined to go into a new decade. And that stopped me right there. I thought, you're right, 2020 is the beginning of a new decade. We should be thinking not one year ahead, but 10 years ahead. But that's scary because 10 years after 2020 is 2030. Now that might seem a long way off. How old's James now? He'll be 12 and a half in 2030. Still not at high school. Still not driving a car. Phew, says Brendan. But we need to lift our eyes above, above the trivial above the small stuff and think, where do I want to be in 2020? I want to still be married. I want to still be happily married. I want to be doing well. I want to, I want to still be preaching the word of God. I want to still be speaking into people's lives. I want to be active. I want to be fitter than I am now. I want to be able to improve my time up lofty in 10 years rather than have it decrease. Now that's, that's, a, that's a rash thing to say because it means you've got to practice for 10 years but the, the thing is I hate starting going up loft but I love it when I've finished not because it's, fin it's over because the sense of satisfaction and the well-being I actually feel is, is really good and so you need to actually think of end results 10 years down the track but she goes on to say determined to go into a new decade with focus purpose passion expectancy love faith hope and joy so we, I think we need to reorient ourselves when it comes to making decisions. One of the mistakes I think we make as Christians is when we ask God to show us what his plans are for us in the year ahead, we've got this idea that the information he gives us is for us. Does that make sense? Let me, do it this, let me show you this way. Sometimes you might have noticed that I bring people up and I prophesy over them. God gives me information, but that information is not for me. He never gives me a word to prophesy over people to say, Richard, I believe God is saying to you that you must empty your bank account and put, transfer the money into mine. And so that is a word of the Lord, you go and do that in Jesus' name. The, the words that the, the prophecies I have for people, it, the information is given to me, but the information is for somebody else. And often I think that if we approach our New Year's resolution, if we ask God to give us information for the 2020, where do you want me to be in 2020, Lord? What is your voice, Father, for my life? I'm pretty sure that we would find to our surprise that the information he gives us is not for us. It's for somebody else. Because... Notice it says in Philippians, we, we have the desire and the power to do what pleases him, not what pleases us. But the thing is that what pleases him is when we reach out 
to other people, have you ever noticed that he blesses us as we do it? But it doesn't take any work on our part. It's because God is doing a work in us. Similarly, I believe we often don't like the idea that God's plans for us might involve other people because we don't, we don't like to share. And yet, you know, Hebrews 10 is a, is a great scripture, 10.24. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Notice that the passage here doesn't say, let us think of ways to motivate ourselves. Let us hide ourselves away and not speak to anyone and encourage ourselves because nobody else will. It says exactly the opposite of that. It emphasises the importance of community and loving our neighbour and putting others before ourselves. I think we shy away from this form of goal setting or planning or New Year's resolutions, whatever you want to call it, because the idea that we should make a resolution for somebody else's benefit for a whole year is exhausting. I mean, we have enough trouble keeping our own life in line. To, to actually think that God might ask us to do something for somebody else for a year is, is just mind-blowing. And yet, I believe that if you think that way, you haven't understood Philippians 2.13. Because remember, it states that God will do the work in us, giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You see, if we, don't, if we don't follow through with that, it's a trust issue. That's all it is. You're basically saying, I don't trust God. Because God promises to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. If you're not going to do what pleases him, it's usually because you think, well, God might do that. But perhaps he won't. And so I want, to, I want us to look at a quick story. And we're going to finish on this one. It's a story from Exodus. And I, I want to look at it from two perspectives. I want to look at it from a, a, a worldly New Year's Eve perspective because we're going to tell the story in terms of New Year's Eve resolutions. And then I want to look at it in a Philippians 2.13 perspective. And so Exodus 17 verse 9, we've got a situation here where they're uh, under attack from the Amalekites. And uh, so Moses gets quite dictatorial. He commanded Joshua... Choose some men to go and fight the army of Amalek for us. Unless he says for us, like, I'm not going to do this, I want you to do it. So tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill and watch. Oh, holding the staff of God in my hand. So remember uh, Moses has this staff of God, so he's going to hold it up in his hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile Moses, Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on either side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. So if we look at it, let's look at this battle as a series of New Year's resolutions. If we look at the way individuals involved might have made their various New Year's resolutions, it might have gone something like this. Joshua, my New Year's resolution is to fight really well and not get killed. Good New Year's resolution. Moses, 
My New Year's resolution is to hold the staff of God above my head until we win. Good plan. Aaron, well, I guess my New Year's resolution is to help Moses. Uh, if he needs my help for anything, I'm there for Moses. That's, that's my New Year's resolution. Her, well, I'm, I'm with Aaron. Uh, I'll help Aaron help Moses. Uh, that's my resolution. If, if Moses needs a, a rock to sit on, I'm going to find that. that that's, that's what I'm going to do. That's my part. Um, Israelite soldiers, my New Year's resolution is not to soil my armour in battle. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we've got all these different individuals making their individual resolutions to do well in the, in the, in the future of this battle. But if we look at it from a Philippians 2.13 standpoint, we get a different picture. Because what happens is Moses has gone to God. And he says, what are your plans for me this year, O Lord? And God's replied, well, I want you to defeat the Amalekites in battle. Moses is like, oh, okay. Now the old Moses, who remembers the old Moses? He, he, he met a burning bush and the bush spoke to him and said, go and speak to Pharaoh. And, and Moses said, Get lost. I, I stutter and, I, and, I, and I'm sore and Aaron would be better than me and I, I can't do these things. And so the, you know, God says, I want you to fight the Amalekites and the old Moses stands there just for a second and thinks, crap, God's asked the impossible. I shouldn't have asked God. I shouldn't have asked him. But God has done a work in Moses. And so the new Moses stands there and he suddenly remembers he's, he's got this staff of God in his hand. He thinks, Hey, I remember turning this into a snake and devouring all of Pharaoh's snakes with it. This is cool. He says, and then there was that little thing, you know, I, I, I opened the Red Sea. And then you know, I, I tapped that rock a couple of weeks back and water just poured out so that we didn't die of thirst. He said, ha, okay, God, I've got this. Because God's done a work in him. He's got the desire and at least some of the power to do what he has to do. And so then he's not sure he can hold it up all day, so he, he speaks to Aaron and her, and they, they trust God, and they, they've seen what Moses can do with the staff. So if Moses says, oh, if I hold the staff up, we're going to win, they say, well, no worries, we're with you, we're going to do everything we can to make sure you hold that staff up, because we trust that, that God is true to his word, and we're going to do everything in our power to do that, because we have, we, we have, we have trust in you and what God has done through you. And so they're in it, they're, they're in it to help him. And so Moses then thinks, well, I better tell Joshua because um, he's going to be doing the actual fighting. Um, and so he might need to know and, and uh, he might need some men as well. So he goes to Joshua and says, Joshua, uh, I'm going to stand on the hill and hold the staff of God up high. I want you to actually kill some Amalekites for me uh, and pick some, some men that you trust and go and do that. Now, this is actually the first time Joshua is mentioned in, in terms of leadership and battle. In Exodus, the only other time he's mentioned is the fact that Joshua is this, this creepy kid who hangs around the tent when Moses goes in to speak to God. He notices that Moses comes out and his face is shining, remember, because of his contact with God. And he wants more of this. And so he, he hangs out. He's hoping that some of this connection between God and Moses is going gonna, gonna to rub off on him. And so here's his chance. Moses has said, you know, I'm going to use the power of the Lord to help you win this battle. And Moses thinks, yes, no, Moses, Joshua. He thinks, yes, I'm ready to slice and dice. This is going to be good. And so he picks some men who think like he does this, you know, because there's a huge Amalekite army and there's only a few of them. And so the odds are not in their favour at all, but Joshua is pumped. He's like, 
you get, I've, I've seen what Moses does with that thing. Heaven protect anybody who gets in the way of that. So there's a bit of fighting. This is, this is going to be good. He, he, is, he is really pumped about this. And so he knows that he, he's got the, the desire and he knows he's got the power because his trust is in God. So my question to you is, who won the battle? Was it Moses? Because after all, if he hadn't held up the big stick, they'd, they'd have all died. Or was it Moses and Aaron and Hur? Because he got tired. And you notice it says when, when the stick came down, the, the Amalekites started to win. And, so, but if it, and it hadn't been for Aaron and Hur holding up his arms, Joshua and his men would have been slaughtered. Yeah, but some of you are saying, hang on, all that, all that stuff on the hill is irrelevant. Joshua was there fighting in the thick of it with his men. Surely he won the battle. Or was it a combination of all of the above? Because see, God had been at work in each of them. He had given each of them the desire and the power to do what he required of them as long as they acted in community, motivating and encouraging one another. I believe that that's the attitude we should have to any New Year's resolution that we make. That we actually need to recognise that we are not alone in our struggle. We are not alone in our faith. That This whole idea of a church community and moving forward is not to make our individual lives better, but to make our community better. To make dinner parties I mean, we started dinner parties last year, and I, I know for some, it was a heck of an effort. There were a lot of people who sacrificed time and money and effort to get dinner parties off the ground because it was our vision of a way of making a meal a focal point to bring people in community, to get them to meet Jesus, to, to, to just do something new which had the Spirit of God on it. And I and the thing is, as individuals, I know that there's, there's and I'm hypothesising here, there's, there's an opportunity for people to say, far out, that was a hard year. I want, I want to give up this year. My advice to you is to ask God, because it's not about us as individuals, it's about working together. It's about being smart. How can you balance the load? How can you find a Joshua, an Aaron, or a Hur to hold your arms up? How can you find, it, it's about not looking for getting out of the problematic life that we have. It's about finding the solutions to the problems that we have without giving up. And that's just one example. I think, you know, the chapel service started. That's, that's, I've had to get up early. I mean, whose stupid idea was it? Mine, yes, okay. Um, and now I've moved further away, so I have to get up even earlier. I mean, you sort of think, if I was doing it in my strength, and if I was doing it alone, I would give up but my resolution this year is to bring people on board to hold my hands up to actually do the fighting so that we can as a team have a victory it's not my victory I hope it'll be part of it but it's about a community if we learn to make resolutions if we learn to actually purpose to go out into 2020 not alone but with an army around us with the Aaron's and the hers and the Joshua's which is all of us, then I believe we can make a difference in 2020. But the key, and the key, you must get bored with me saying this, the key is to seek first God. 
Moses obeyed God's command. So we, we, need to, we need to actually get excited about the fact that beginning a new year actually means spending time with God. And we need, can I, can I get the band up right now? Well, there's a great song we sang this morning called uh, Nothing Else. And it, oh, you haven't sung it yet. No, you were, I thought you were going to. Oh, it was in chapel, sorry, yeah. I've got my services. We've, I've done it twice already. Um, but we're going to do this song, Nothing Else. And, and the lyrics talk about the fact that we need to come before God without an agenda, without our own New Year's resolutions, but to come and sit in His presence for no other reason than we are in His presence and see what comes of that. So can I invite you to stand and let's sing as we actually invite God into our lives. We invite His presence to do a work in us, to give us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. pray two things this morning before we close you may be standing here this morning and you may have never thought of Jesus as your go-to person for anything in your life I want to give you an opportunity this morning to change that to actually become a follower of Jesus Christ to make him the guiding force, the guiding person in your life. If you've never made that decision, let me tell you, it's a great decision to make, to actually just say, look, from this moment on, I'm going to go to Jesus first, to let him look after my life, let him do a work in me, let him give me the desire and the power I need in life. Or you may be a person who's done that once, but you know that you're not living a life that reflects the power of Jesus in your life. Jesus would love you as a a New Year commitment, if you like, to actually say, from this moment on, I'm going to rededicate my life to following Jesus, to letting Him be the Lord of my life, my go-to person. And if that's you, if you, either you've never done it before or you know that you need to do it right now to come back to a life with Jesus, I just want to pray a prayer with you. In fact, I'll get everybody to pray the prayer together. But if that is you, I'd like to know and to see who I'm praying for this morning. So can I have the house lights up just a little bit? And if that is you, can I ask everybody else just to close their eyes? And if that is you, can you just raise your hand so that I can see it and you can put it straight back down again? just so that I know who I'm praying for this morning. Is there anybody who wants to do that? Just raise your hand nice and high and we can pray together. Awesome. The second prayer I want to pray is for people who have decided that it's a good time to make a New Year's resolution but you've realised that 
the way you've already done it or the way you were going to do it is not the right way. And that really, as that song says, we've got to actually put Jesus first and let Him speak into our lives to give us the power to do what pleases Him. And I just want to play, pray quickly, but what I want you to do, because one thing I do know about the plans of God is that He asks us to take the first step. And so if you're here, you're ready to make a, a fresh dedication to God's purpose for your life. You're ready to actually rely on His power and not yours, to actually let Him work in your life instead of doing your own thing. I just want you to quickly move forward to the altar. I'm not going to pray for you individually, but we need to pray together because taking a first step is the key to actually making something happen in our lives. So if that's you, you want to take a first step, you want to start something fresh, but you want it to mean something, just come out onto the altar right now. and We'll pray together that God actually moves in your life. It's not in our strength that we're doing this. This is in God's strength. That we need to take Him at face value. We need to put our trust in Him by taking a step towards Him, believing that He is going to take a step towards us, that our faith is going to result in Him doing a work in us, not us having to do more work, that He is going to give us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. We don't have to drum it up. We don't have to get enthusiastic. We don't have to work our way into prayer and thanksgiving and, and fighting spiritual battles. If we let God work in us, He will give us the desire and the power. Can you all raise your hands to heaven? Holy God, we give you thanks this morning that your Spirit lives in us and that as we open our hearts and our minds and our souls to you this morning, that we say, God, do a work in us. We are open to your voice, to your power, to your compassion and to, to your love to do something new and fresh this year. Speak to us, Lord. Give us that desire and power as you do a work in us, as we tackle 2020 as children of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. You may go back to your seats. Have an absolutely awesome 2020. Over to you, Brendan. Fantastic. Why don't we thank Pastor Chris for bringing the word this morning.